0: welcome to the small business whole health podcast we help you stay happy healthy and whole so your small business can thrive and stay vital in this ever-changing world with holistic coaches and small business owners jill and dan hello and welcome to the small business whole health podcast i'm jill and i'm here with my co-hosting podcasting partner daniel hello And today we are talking all about the core and what it is and why you need to know where it is and how important it is as well, right?
1: Yeah, and we've been doing a little bit of research. Like We know all this stuff already, but we kind of forgot how complex it was, didn't we? A little bit going over some of the the old research, but it's it's fascinating. I think it's really important to know about, particularly if, if you're into exercise or you're an exercise specialist, like you're in that career, or if you've got any kind of low back pain or any digestive issues, the core encompasses all of that. So hopefully we can clear some things up.
0: Absolutely. I think a lot of people just think it's about your six pack muscles, but it is so much more than that. It's part of your digestive system, part of your fertility system. (laughs) Everything uses the core, doesn't it? It's part of the strength system, everything really about your body uses the core in some form or another, right?
1: Yeah, that's part of your your organs included in the core, your respiratory system, obviously your diaphragm. yeah? Yeah. Everything just, particularly movement, everything starts there and then resonates out. But a lot of the the exercise community is built backwards around that, isn't it? Yeah. People have been made to believe that you need to work the big extremity muscles first and then work the core last or not at all, or just in a very adapted way, and that leads to a lot of injury, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people just want to do the exterior especially nowadays with young people they want to look really good and they don't really care about the internal muscles and it's the stabilizer muscles that are really really important I think I'm, I'm going to drop Paul check's name in again in, in his book he talks about the engine on your car it's, it's no point having the, the, a really good engine on your car if your wheels fall off when you go fast so it's it, that's what stabilizer muscles do they keep everything in in place really and keep so that your body can move more efficiently
1: there's been studies done that show everything starts in the core regardless of how big your muscles are on the outside so the arms and the shoulders and the legs i think it's 30 milliseconds before any movement in the extremities the core fires first Mm. so if you want good looking extremity muscles then train the core because you're just going to have better functioning extremity muscles as well if your core fires correctly But there's a lot of things which stop those muscles from allowing to work correctly, which we're going to explain, like diet, poor exercise, choice, stress, and particularly women who have like cesarean sections and things like that. It can get quite complex. So if we can kind of point you in the right direction for a little bit of help, that's hopefully what the aim of this podcast is, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's start with what is the core? What, What do you think of the core as in the muscles and the bits and bobs around it?
1: Well, originally before I was in the in the exercise industry, I used to think it was probably like a lot of people think it was just the six pack muscles. That's just mm. your core and your, your abdominals are just one big muscle. And then when you start learning about it, you realize that it's not even the abdominals. There's so many different muscles involved, like the lower abdominals, the TVA, the rectus abdominis, mm. the internal, external obliques, and that's just the musculature. And then there's all the organs that contained as well. So think it's only the brain and the eyes if you consider those an organ that aren't housed in the core so it's everything it's it's your back muscles it's that internal corset which supports it's like a it's like a foundation for the movement for the rest of the body
0: yeah absolutely so the traditional core muscles would be your um, diaphragm your transverse abdominis and your pelvic floor muscles and your multifidus muscles which are little tiny muscles that run up each vertebra, but they just named as one big muscle, aren't they? But they're actually little tiny ones. So, as in a Pilates teacher, that's what we're taught as the core. So, the, if you think of a, a, a cylinder, the cylindrical pressure—that that's what we taught. That is the diaphragm at the top is the top of the can. Your pelvic floor is the bottom of the can, and wrapping around it is your transverse abdominis and your multifidus at the back. Yeah. But actually, Joseph Pilates, although Pilates is kind of synonymous with cortrain, and he never, ever mentioned any of the muscles, he never mentioned the muscles in any of his um, texts. It's always um, the powerhouse, he calls it the powerhouse, which I think is quite a good name for it. Um, so he talks about fire up your powerhouse and get that. But that's the actual muscles that we're taught. But I have heard and when, when we've been doing research that there's quite a lot of other muscles as well that are part of the core, other like physiologists and doctors have said that you know you could have the deep hip flexors the psoas muscle is part of the core i think paul check says the lats are part of the core and and up through in, like you said like the pectorals as well could be all classed as the respiratory muscles are all part of the core as well right
1: yeah well you mentioned the four muscles there so you get the tva the multifidus the pelvic floor and the diaphragm as well well these are like a corset that's how i like to, to think of it and obviously i've seen diagrams which explain this So imagine when people go to the gym and you wear a weight belt, you tie it around the waist. Essentially, if you get these muscles strong enough, that is your own Mm. personal weight belt. That's what you should make strong first instead of using an actual weight belt to compensate. So if you just think of it like a corset internally wrapping around and keeping everything solid and creating a foundation for movement for the rest of the bigger muscles, that's the way I like to think of those muscles. There are other abdominal muscles as well, but they're kind of more superficial or external but the, you're talking about the internal ones or the inner unit which is probably the most dysfunctional because they don't get used enough
0: yeah and that's one of the things that i always start with when i'm training people because people have no idea that these muscles one exist and two how important important they are and three how to find them <laughs> they're actually quite oh, yeah. easy to find once you know what you're doing but um yeah it's i think um i also read in Paul Tech's book he said don't buy a corset build a corset which I quite like to think about when you're talking about those big weight belts and stuff that weightlifters use it's just like putting a plaster on your leg isn't it it's just holding everything in place it's not actually building anything in place so it's it's all about that stuff and um breathing as well is a big part of core training
1: yeah and like you said about the the weight belt if you can just build one yourself it's a lot more beneficial because If you go to the the gym every day and you're doing heavy lifts, but you've got your belt on and you feel safe and you're using that to assist assist yourself. Mm -hmm. But then when you go home and you go to pick up a child or a heavy box and you don't have your weight belt on, then all that strength training you've done in the gym, relying on the belt, well, then the belt isn't there. So then the muscles are going to fire differently. So then that's when you might blow your back out when you're not relying on the belt. So why would you train in the gym with a belt? Then the other 23 hours of the day and not have it on when you're going about everyday life yeah so build your own and it's going to be there permanently
0: yeah it's about being functional isn't it and transferring everything that you do in the gym or in a class out into everyday life that's what joseph pilates says every time it's not what you learn on the mat with me it's what you learn how to use your body when you're off the mat in, in everyday life you learn pilates with me but you actually learn about your body when you're off the mat and uh, that's what it's all about really isn't it
1: yeah that's a really good way to think about it and like a slightly different note there's a a good Paul Czech quote which he says isolate then integrate which Mm. is which is a little bit of a different meaning it means if you've got a faulty muscle or program then you can isolate that build it back up and then integrate it with the rest of your movement but it's a little bit similar to what you were saying as in you can train your core specifically in uh, Pilates class and get the TV and everything functioning correctly. But then you need to isolate it just with everyday life, picking the shopping up, getting in and out of the car. So isolate, then integrate it. It really is true, isn't it? And it works.
0: Yeah. Oh, gosh. It totally works. I think once I've trained people how to do it properly, then they're like, oh, this is like, it's there. It's, there. it's switched on all the time, isn't it? It's something that's always there. I think the deep intrinsic muscles are um, their endurance muscles. I can't remember what fibres they are. The type 1 fiber muscles i might have that wrong
1: yeah
0: Yeah, so they're like the endurance muscle muscles fibers so they are not meant to be like switched on fully all the time but they're meant to be switched on lightly for for long periods of time it's all about like posture as well postural muscles are, are the same they're the ones that hold you upright and the core's part of that as well right yeah and what we've also got to think about as well is that the core is where your balance comes from and you a lot of proprioception and stuff comes from the car too so getting your car firing correctly is massively important to to your functional life
1: it's interesting that you mentioned the word balance because that can have kind of two separate meanings really so you can have the traditional sense of balance as in keeping yourself upright particularly when you get older or you have other injuries like balance is really important but also in terms of balance you could think of imbalance so muscle imbalances if your six-pack muscles are way stronger the the other abdominal muscles it's going to pull the body forward into that forward head posture which then your body has to then adjust its head to keep its balance because if you just keep training the six part muscles all the time your body's just going to curl forward and your head's going to be looking at the floor Mm. so then your head has to adjust to keep its eyes on the horizon everything works to keep yourself balanced that's why we need an all-round exercise program so that Mm. we keep balanced but yeah that's a good point
0: yeah yeah. And um, also when you you think of those traditional um, abdominal exercises, let's say like sit up and stuff, when you are sitting in a forward head posture and crunched up posture all day, if you're working on a computer or driving a lot, you sit in that posture all day, if you think about it, in that curled forward, so the abdominals are tightened anyway. So the last thing you want to do is go into a gym and kind of overemphasize that process and strengthen those muscles even more, because that's just going to, compound and pull you even more further forward right
1: yeah but that's just what the the industry's put out there isn't it so the the rectus abdominis are the aesthetically good looking muscles aren't they mm. so the the six-pack muscles they, they look good but then you can get people who have the six-pack muscles but then below the belly button when the lower abdominals they might be really weak because your hip flexors are constantly tightened and your your six-pack muscles are constantly tightened but then the lower abdominals below the belly button have they need to be worked differently so those can be really stretched and weak so you might have someone who has a six pack above the belly button but then you might have that kind of paunch belly below the belly button even though they're quite low body fat it's mm. because they're not working those muscles at all in the, the, the overworking the other muscles so if you sat down all day driving or, or at a desk and then you're doing crunches all the time you need to do the opposite you need to kind of unwind you need to work the extensors of the back. You need to stretch the hip flexors and it's just going to improve your posture, which in turn is going to make you look better. Because we all know someone who has good posture, it radiates, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's going to make it you breathe does. better. It's going to make your digestive system better. And it's not just about those six-pack muscles. It's about the whole thing.
0: I'm doing them as we speak. I just straightened up yeah. there. I bet all our listeners just straightened up.
1: Yeah.
0: I always, Whenever you talk about posture, because bad posture is about 80% habit. Um, so as um, soon as you start mentioning it talking about it everyone just straightens up and it's easy to do and but it's remembering it because gradually you seep back into it don't you
1: yeah Well, everything's designed for you to be in bad posture really like comfortable seats driving positions looking at your phone it all pulls you forward back forward. into that, that fatal position yeah but there's a few little tips and tricks you can do to do the opposite so get into good posture so even awareness is the first step so even just talking about it now you can try and increase your posture. Sitting on a an exercise ball or a Swiss ball is a really good one if you sit at a desk all day, sit on an exercise ball if it's possible because that's obviously going to switch on the small stabilizer muscles and it's everything has to work a little bit harder. You can you can even do classes at like an Alexandra technique where you learn how to sit and get your posture correct. So mm-hmm. and yeah, in, in general it's doing more extension exercises as opposed to flexion and that's as a general rule of thumb that's that's going to work
0: yeah and one of my rules of thumb that I say in my class was what my dance teacher taught me is tits and teeth tits Hmm. and teeth (laughs) because if you've got tits and teeth nobody's looking at anything else so it's all good but (laughs) Yeah. yeah one of the things that um I always taught as well is if you imagine that you're walking down the street naked then you'll be upright that's another top tits and teeth
1: and who's been there again
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's all good man it's all good so yeah i um extension exercises like we're talking about there they're really good uh core exercises as well but i find that people in modern life hate extension exercises do you find that as well
1: yeah because i'm one of those people
0: oh yeah i think (laughs) (laughs) i think that um that it's actually getting worse. I mean, I've been teaching Pilates now for what five years full time. And over, even in five years, I've noticed that people hate extensions. It's like, Oh, we're going to do them again. And I was talking to a yoga teacher who'd been teaching for like 50 odd years. And he said, like when he first started teaching people loved, you know, the reverse plank where you're on your arms yeah. and you're squeezing your shoulder blades together. Um, So it's, it's like a plank, but you're upright. Um, he said that people used to love doing that that was one of the easiest exercises that they could do but now if you're trying to do reverse plank in a class people will hit hit you for it hit your life for it it's really hard
1: yeah anytime you make people do a what i would call a cobra so it's yes. back extension get the shoulder blades together get the arms in external rotation because those muscles that get fired up the postural muscles you should be able to do it for three minutes some people can last like ten seconds, and all those muscles are so fatigued, and they're just not used to firing. That it's really draining on the nervous system mm. as well. So it just goes to show how much they underworked
0: Yeah, I think women are better at those. The men are as well. I think men find it more difficult to do that. Those kind of end extension exercises.
1: Yeah, particularly men who go to the gym and do the traditional gym exercises a lot, like press ups, bench press, bicep curls, abdominal crunches, because they're just it's all flexion. It goes into that fetal position, curling you forward. And then, when you try to unwind and extend, the body goes to the path of least resistance. So it mm. doesn't like doing that. It just and, and you have to teach it and teach it and teach it. But it's difficult. But yeah. it, it does work, and it's really important.
0: Oh, totally. Um, can I drop another poll check quote in?
1: Yeah, I've
0: said that one this this today. You can't fire a cannon from a canoe.
1: Yeah, that's a really famous one, isn't it? Yeah, is it actually Paul Chekho who came up with the first? Or oh, he says he it? it's
0: an old saying. Yeah. So it might not be one of his, but I learned it from him. Therefore, it's his.
1: Yeah, and the, the diagrams he uses in the book are, break it down really cleverly, don't they?
0: Yeah, it's like taking like a really complex thing and then making it quite simple, isn't it?
1: That's a true form of wisdom.
0: It is. So yeah, so if you think about it, if you were trying to fire a, can, a cannon from a canoe, it would just destabilize the whole thing and you'd end up swimming, right? So strengthening the core makes your body more like a battleship. And so when you're firing the cannons, which is moving your arms and your legs, essentially, then you've got that stabilization there to be able to do that. So really working on the core is better for the rest of your quality of life.
1: Yeah, it's just building that big, solid foundation like you said. Imagine the core as like a battleship, then you were gonna fire a cannon from there. It wouldn't really affect the stabilization of that ship. But if you put a massive cannon on a little canoe and then fired it, there would yeah. be some pretty severe consequences, wouldn't there? And that's happening every day if you've got massive arms and strong quads and a weak core that you're constantly putting yourself at risk of injury.
0: Muscular imbalance. Absolutely. So shall we do some should we say some core exercises i can describe a core exercise if you want (laughs) that that you can do while you (laughs) drive
1: yeah for this audio podcast let's
0: just do a full workout (laughs) (laughs) right so sit up nice and straight
1: so yeah maybe you should describe some ones that aren't commonly done as a like because there's quite a few common ones that lead to muscular imbalances maybe go through the ones which can help people's posture
0: I'm just going to show you how to quickly um, get your core firing while you are sitting down. Cool. Because these are internal muscles, so um, you don't have to actually move to work your core, right? So if you sit up nice and tall and get your shoulders over your hips, and make sure that you're in a neutral spine position. So feet on the floor, knees bent, and hips in place. And then what we're going to do is take a deep breath in. So as you breathe in, Nice deep breath in, straighten up your spine. And then as you exhale, draw your tummy button into your spine and then try and lift the whole undercarriage up off the floor. This works for men and women. Men think they can switch off when we start talking about pelvic floor exercises, but men have pelvic floors too, which are really important. So um, if you just try to draw in and lift up and just feel that connection through the whole core and then relax. And then you do it again. Deep breath in. As you exhale, draw in and pull up and just get everything switched on. So you don't have to actually move to do this. You can do these in your car and just hold it for a couple of seconds and then release and then do that again. But then if you can continue to train that and um, you can use that in any of your exercises. So when you're doing squats or whatever exercises you're doing, you can still be pulling that tummy button in and then just pulling up the pelvic floor, which is really quite cool that you don't have to do anything
1: again it's that isolation to integration so if you learn to do that on your own then if you come to do squats and things it then starts to become automatic if you do it long enough but it's really important when you do these bigger exercises that you get that you get that connection and get those muscles firing your performance is going to be better and your chances of injury are going to decrease so even something as simple as what you have just explained it will have beneficial effects
0: oh yeah uh, i mean people with back pain they have if you've had long-term back pain you've usually got no connection through the core so i've got no idea how to do that because you know when your body shuts off certain bits that are um, painful because it doesn't want to go there so when you actually start just doing these although it feels like quite low level exercise actually just doing that inhibits the nerve down into there which then gets the circulation into there which then gets the muscles firing because it's the nerves that fire the muscles so whenever anyone's injured you always got to get the nerves going first don't you so that just helps to do that in a quite a safe and controlled way
1: yeah and it's interesting that you you mentioned nerves because I was going to come to this point next actually so there's a there's something called viscerosomatic inhibition which is a long phrase which
0: that's a good word say yeah. it again
1: viscerosomatic <laughs> inhibition i first heard this before i was really in the i got into exercise i used to listen to a guy called elliot holst that's how i got on this whole Thing and he I remember him speaking about it in a video, and even just seeing the title, Visceral Somatic Inhibition, I was like, Well, this sounds very complex, but then he breaks it down into what it is, and it's really interesting. So, what it is, it's the effect on your muscles due to organ pain or inflammation. So, organs and muscles share the same nerve innovations, which sounds strange like your organs can't feel pain, but your muscles can. So, you might feel as though That sounds like a strange concept, but if you think when someone has a heart attack and they feel pain in the chest in the left arm, they don't actually feel it in the heart. And women often feel low back pain when they go through the menstrual cycle. And there's a few other ones. So if you think about it that way, it is actually true. But the concept is, if your organs are inflamed by poor posture, poor digestion, poor lifestyle habits, then the organs are more important than the muscles. Essentially, so you can. Survive with poor abdominal tone, but you can't survive without your lungs, for instance, or your digestive system. So your body will prioritize sending blood, nutrition, kind of help towards the organs that are inflamed, but your your muscles are then going to not work as correctly and they're going to be inflamed. So a core training should work from the inside out. So get your organs and everything healthy and your diet and your lifestyle, and then your core is going to be able to function properly in the end. And the abdominal muscles are particularly prone to switching off when the organs are inflamed. So that that's what the somatic inhibition is. It's a fancy title, but when you break it down like that, it shows you how important diet and lifestyle is to your organs and your muscles functioning correctly.
0: Yeah, because that absolutely, that's a really good... Point and one of the things I was going to say as well is we think about core training just as muscular and postural, but it's actually holding the organs in place as well. When you have a strong core, so if you suffer from things like constipation or gut problems, having a weak core can contribute to that and make it even worse because you're not getting the circulation through, you're not getting that peristaltic flow, that movement through it. So there's nothing; it's just a sluggish system, isn't it? Everything's just slow. Going through there.
1: So, yeah. And there's a, a common kind of look. I think it's called visceroptosis, where you see the, the belly drop forward. Mm. And it's because all the organs are then, the organs start to droop forward. And it's particularly common in women after childbirth, again with the cesarean section, because obviously the doctor or the surgeon has to cut through a lot of layers of muscle. It's very traumatic. And that creates scar tissue and it's sewn back up. But then you can lose the. The, the ability to fire those muscles again—it has to be mm. trained. And if not, then the muscles and the organs start to move out of position, and you get that again—that paunch belly look. And it's—it can be very difficult if you don't know what you're doing to to get that, because everyone wants that washboard, flat stomach look. Mm. But there's some quite some quite complex reasons which is why it's happening. So if you can think, if you can clean your diet up and try to fire those these stabilised the muscles which don't get used enough it can literally draw your organs back into their correct places.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to have a bit of a rant now. So after you've had a baby, with a, a natural birth, let's say, and you know you can start training those muscles to, to get strong again. And it's not normal, because if you think about the core muscles, the pelvic floor for men and women, they are what control continence issues as well. And so any downward pressure, so when you've got that, what you have in the dropped tummy it's that downward pressure in men it comes out as a hernia sometimes as well um but in women it tends to because we've got an inherent weakness down there because we have to have babies is that it can just push any downward force just pushes things out which is when we have prolapses and stuff but for bladder weaknesses and things it, it's muscular you can train these muscles not to you shouldn't like adverts nowadays for women you know are sneezing and laughing and wetting myself that is not a normal thing to do they're trying to normalize it and it's not normal they're just wanting to sell you some adult nappies essentially isn't it so i get really mad about it because i just think you know all these women don't know that if they put the work in and you can retrain it and i've retrained loads of women through that and it's um pretty horrible and it's pretty embarrassing as well for people so and you know what the nerve that. Innovates the whole of the pelvic floor is called the predenda nerve and pudenda originates in latin for, and it's a word for shame so don't be ashamed it's actually built into the anatomy to be ashamed of it so there you go
1: yeah and you mentioned there that it's it's very common but they're trying to normalize it there's a difference between common and normal mm. just because it happens to everyone else doesn't mean that that's the way it should be there's like you've already said there's a there's a way to correct it and if if you've corrected a lot of your clients then there is a way to do it it may be common but it's not normal you should be you shouldn't have to wear adult nappies from when you're in your your 30s That's, that's not normal is it?
0: No, and it's men as well. I've seen um, men's incontinence ads as well, so it's it's not just something women have more common. I think the statistic, message off the top of my head, is like seventy percent of women at some point in their life will experience incontinence issues, and the NHS spend two percent of their budget on incontinence problems and it's the number two reason why you get put in a care home as well because you can't go to the toilet so um it's really important to get these muscles trained and it could be the difference between keeping your independence at the end of the day as well so if you do have problems don't suffer in silence don't be ashamed
1: (laughs) yeah it might be quite it's obviously understandable if you've just gone through childbirth that the initial Mm. maybe weeks and months that might happen that's understandable it's a very traumatic experience but on a long-term scale there's a way to correct it and it's going to be a lot more dignified having control over your own body surely than kind of relying yeah. on anything else That's,
0: absolutely in france apparently after you've had a baby you go to see a like a women's health physio for about six weeks afterwards but and, and then it they teach you how to like reactivate the muscles because obviously there's a lot of damage going on down there and the nerves don't work anymore but um once you you can retrain them like anything you can, and uh they get six weeks with a physio to do that, whereas we don't have that, and it's not really just say oh, wear incontinence pads.
1: It's yeah. a totally different approach, isn't it? In the um, yeah. in how to eat, move, and be healthy, Paul talks about in some of the I think it's South American tribes. I can't remember which tribe it was, but the the women weren't allowed to get pregnant after they had a baby. They weren't allowed to have another baby within three years, I think, because. The, the wise elders knew how traumatic it was on the body. Mm. So if you just kept having children every nine months, then it'd be, then the children weren't as strong because the body was still under trauma from the last pregnancy. Mm. So you made them wait three years for the body to fully recover and then have another child.
0: That's good, isn't it? So it, it is take, some
1: ancient wisdom there as well.
0: Yeah, it does take quite a while to repair and get your body back after having a baby. And I think if you don't know what you're doing, then some people don't ever ever do it they just carry on think it's normal
1: yeah
0: I gave an online live demonstration in my class the other day about the strength of the pelvic floor <laughs> because I was in a really deep wide leg squat and I sneezed <laughs> I was like well this could be disastrous <laughs> but all was well so it's good
1: <laughs> right so I want to quickly talk about a couple of myths in okay. the whole abdominal training industry or fad we, which people go through
0: should we have a jingle for this dan's miss, miss, miss.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the the first one is which anyone who's ever done anything with regard to the fitness as a career will hear how do i get rid of this belly fat if i do loads of crunches what's the best what's the best exercise to get rid of this belly fat yeah and people think it is crunches or abdominal exercises, but it's just not the truth is it the the no. spot reduction of fat doesn't exist or what you hear quite a lot is oh yeah like i'm going to i'm going to turn all this fat into muscle but it's just two different things they they're just not the same it's like so, turning
0: sugar into salt
1: but, yeah it's just <laughs> but people like obviously it's if people aren't hip to this and they're not educated then again you get led down a path and that's what you think you can do but yeah so fat generally just comes off the last place you put it on so if you just have a, a healthy diet and lifestyle choices and you have a nice balanced exercise program the fat will just come off your body overall it's not you kind of just take it off your belly or just off your legs it's going to come off where it wants to really so just think of a long term approach and just getting into a healthy shape and then you'll look good as opposed to just doing a million crunches a day which is just going to make your posture a lot worse which is going to um, exaggerate that belly fat look because it's yeah you because you, your posture is not correct so the spot reduction of fat, if we can, people can get that out of their heads doing a million crunches a day, it's not going to work. It's probably going to lead to injury as well because those muscles are going to be so fatigued. And that leads into the second myth, which is people who train abs every single day. Some people, they just, they'll do a, a home workout program and they'll do crunches every day. But again, mm-hmm. it's just going to lead to those muscles just becoming so overactive that the rest of the muscles are just going to turn off, essentially. And then when you do need them to work in a like a life or death situation, they're not going to know when to fire correctly. Mm. So if you do want to train abs every day, then there is a way to do it. You can work different areas. So for instance, on a Monday, you can work the obliques. On a Tuesday, you can work the lower abs. On a Wednesday, you could just do TVA. On Thursday, you could do the upper abs. So there is a way to do it without just doing the same exercise over and over and over. Because it can get frustrating as well, thinking you're doing all this exercise and your body isn't changing. Mm. Have a little bit of a different approach.
0: Yeah. What did Einstein say? Is the stupidity the definition of stupidity is doing the same thing over and expecting different results?
1: Yeah. Exactly. So, but sometimes it's a lack of education as well. People don't know any different. So hopefully we yeah we can shed some light on it.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Now, when I was first back in the day, was first taught how to teach Pilates. We used to be told to. um Act to cue the pelvic floor and the tva with every exercise so that's what pilates basically is and when i've been training recently with michael michael king he was saying that we don't have to do that because actually activating one automatically activates the other two in a lesser degree and some some exercises require more tva some exercises require more pelvic floor so for example a squat would probably require more pelvic floor because it's a downward pressure whereas a plank would probably require more tva because the weather depends where gravity is doesn't it as a as an instructor we spend a lot of time wondering where gravity is don't we
1: but is is that concept providing that the individual doing the exercise is really competent at firing those muscles oh yeah in, individual yeah yeah, right, yeah.
0: yeah absolutely because otherwise
1: like a total beginner wouldn't probably be able to decipher like, yeah. which is which yeah
0: so that's what i i still teach total beginners the whole caboodle
1: yeah and then once
0: the full shebang and then as you get more competent then you can decide which which one requires more and actually you don't even have to think about it after a while it just happens automatically doesn't it
1: yeah that's that's the aim of the game isn't it for everything to just happen automatically just on a little i'm going to go down a little crazy side path here but have you ever seen we will have belly dancers how they can (laughs) move their abdominals yeah like they must be like the most superior abdominal (laughs) <laughs> training experts.
0: <laughs> well, they do like these where you'd wave things, don't they?
1: But the abdominal recruitment must be absolutely incredible. Because they can get like one side to fire without the other, and then they create the wave. Yeah. Maybe there's, they're onto something there.
0: <laughs> I know it's weird as well. When I did pelvic floor training with an instructor, she had us doing one side of your pelvic floor on the other side, so your pelvic floor split into two as well. So wow. you can actually isolate areas of the pelvic floor
1: yeah it's that kind of uncovered power of the human body which we can all tap into but it takes a lot of patience and practice and dedication but it is there isn't it we can do it yeah
0: yeah and I can and this is a little teacher trick here that I always know I know when people are doing their pelvic floor correctly because their big toes curl or their eyebrows raise <laughs> so, <laughs> so your core is actually connected to your eyebrows and your big toes it's the extremities as well
1: <laughs> so all of- all you listeners who do Jill's class now, you know how to cheat. You can just curl your toes, lift your eyebrows up, and you won't bother. Yeah, you. but
0: you can't do it like <laughs> without actually doing the core. Very interesting, isn't it? All the, the things that you pick up. You think an instructors maybe not noticing that you're not doing it correctly, but I can totally tell if someone's not doing their core exercises correctly.
1: Yeah, even down with the basic stuff like when people are getting tired and you turn your back and you take a rest. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think I turn do that all the time.
1: Really
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I remember the first time when I came to training with you and um like we did squats with we, weirded squats and I was like, Oh, this is what a pelvic floor does. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's quite uh you suddenly realise, don't you, how important the pelvic floor and the core is when you start doing weights. It's even more important to have it correctly before you start weighting putting weights onto the system as well, right?
1: yeah i remember you saying how much your obliques were hurting one day because we would introduce some kind of weighted twist exercises or rotational exercises like wood chops and things like that yeah and like but that's a good sign that that's that's when they're meant to be firing so although you might have some muscle ache it's a sign that everything's working correctly
0: yeah absolutely absolutely so um let's just go through a few core exercises some some of our favorites that people might not have thought of as core exercises so i always think things like back extensions that you said cobra that's actually a core exercise isn't it because we're Mm. working some of and you can actually feel that your abdominals are working when you do like a prone cobra
1: yeah so when you do a a cobra this is one that i need to do a lot more often but you said it earlier in the podcast as well like especially men hate doing it because you're so used to doing the, the flexion exercises but yeah so it works in both ways as well because as it's strengthening the erectors of your spine it's also stretching those chronically tight abdominals mm. as well as particularly above the above the umbilicus above the belly button which get chronically tight so you're strengthening the things which need to be strengthened but you also get that nice stretch up the abdominals as well so it's a two for one but if you don't do it very often prepare for some pain and fatigue <laughs>
0: to my class because i do them in (laughs) every class and also when you're in extension like take your arms forward and stuff so yeah you're lying on the floor you lift your head and your chest up and take your arms forward and notice how much your core switches on to actually move your arms it's quite intense to do that obviously there's planks and variations of planks they're good correct as long as they're done correctly because i find planks and squats are the two exercises that people don't do correctly do you find that as well
1: yeah particularly in squats it's with people who just they overthink it i find I, I tend to say they just overthink what a squat is they think it's a gym exercise as opposed to just a regular everyday movement
0: getting and, up and just, off the toilet yeah <laughs> then
1: if sometimes if you just get like when i'm in the gym just get a weights bench or a chair and they say sit down and then they sit down and well that you've just done a squat just yeah. because you have a, a barbell or a dumbbell or a kettlebell essentially doesn't make it too much different it adds weight so you need to be a little bit more careful try not to overthink things
0: Mm. well all exercises are core exercises essentially like we said um another good one is on all fours and lifting your arm and your opposite leg up we do that in every pilates class yes we do we'll variations horse stance yeah we call it tabletop so imagine you like a table
1: yeah and trying that's really to good.
0: move your spine
1: yeah that's a really good one because she, there's very beginner levels and then mm. uh, there must be like 20 or 30 different versions getting uh, increasing with difficulty at every level so it's one mm-hmm. you can continue to use for probably the rest of your life and if you do get really good you can always make it a little bit more challenging yeah you don't need any equipment either
0: no so the, a lot of the core exercises you actually don't need any equipment for
1: yeah
0: um a lot of our Pilates is ones are naval radiation exercises so we're going right back to the infant development stuff um so i really love this we should do a, a workshop on infant development stuff so if you think of a fetus in in before it's been born then they the first part the muscles that get built are the transverse the, the core muscles essentially the first ones that get built so a baby when it's born doesn't have control of their arms so they keep that's why you swaddle babies because they just hit themselves in the face and stuff because their arms are just flying around it's just the nerves getting built but they do have access to their core muscles so they can pull up and that's the first thing so when anyone's injured are you got Anyone who's had a really bad back, a car crash, or something like that, the first things you should do is go right back to those naval radiation exercises because they will what kind of that's where the nerves generate out from. So it's really interesting stuff. And um, yeah, so a lot of Pilates moves, the traditional like single leg stretch, double leg stretch, all of that kind of stuff, are naval radiation exercises. So if you think of a baby lying on its back, pushing its arms away and its legs away from the center, but keeping the center still, that's all really good core training as well
1: yeah it's it's fascinating when when we're going through the the czech academy and never even hearing the term infant development and then learning about it and then obviously getting to practice some of the exercises as well thinking oh well that looks so someone else would have to demonstrate at the front of the class and they can't do it correctly because <laughs> and it looks funny them <laughs> trying to do this simple exercise you think oh, what are you doing fasting around up there rolling around <laughs> on the back and then it gets to your turn <laughs> like that was even worse yeah, I couldn't even do it at all that
0: it's that inchworm exercise
1: oh yeah i just i just i was just flopping around on the floor
0: Didn't i, was, I was, think I, I think i was doing it in slow motion
1: but it looks really easy obviously when someone who can do it correctly yeah Oh you know, well that looks easy and then you come to do it and i was just all over the place but it makes you realize babies go through a sequence and it's building that foundation of movement and if you if you skip any steps then it's really detrimental in the long run. <clears throat> so when babies, they have to learn to stand up and pull themselves up and then walk. But if you help them all the time by picking them up and putting them on their feet, they're skipping that stage of learning to pull themselves up. Yeah. So it's important to, it sounds harsh, but let them struggle for as long as they can and learn themselves. Don't push them into doing it too quick. But yeah. then it, it becomes like an ego thing. The parents want their children to walk after so long and they want their children to be first to walk. But really, it's no different. If they were the last ones to walk, they've probably built a better foundation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes you find people who've got no kind of coordination and you say to them, did you actually crawl as a baby? And they go back and they come back like a couple of weeks later and go, I asked my mom, no, I didn't crawl. And it's like, you can tell actually yeah. by the coordination because that's what you're building. <laughs> you're building your brain. Your brain's building all those left-right connections to coordinate later on. So actually, probably the longer that you take to be in each of those stages is actually building the coordination a little bit more i guess so people who just skip it and they miss out
1: yeah there's other things so in those developmental stages when you're born even things like breastfeeding is like really important because it strengthens the muscles of the jaw and mm. really skilled physicians can they can sometimes tell if the if the baby wasn't breastfed just by the structure of the face and the teeth and things like that like it's, it's yeah. really important isn't it so if, if any the of neck. these yeah if any of these steps are, are skipped it can show up later with with imbalances and problems
0: yeah just if you're like programming a computer isn't it if you program it wrong in the first like instance no matter how many times you run the program it'll still be wrong you know so it's, yeah that's that's how our brain works isn't it mm. it's so interesting
1: yeah is there anything else you want to shed light on for the car
0: no, I don't think so. I think we've covered everything. Obviously, if you do have any problems or uh, read Paul Cech's book, I'll come to one of our classes. <laughs> we should do some on the car, actually.
1: Yeah, it's quite shocking, isn't it? How the industry is veered away from the correct information. Yeah. Because a lot of gimmicks and exercise machines are made to get people like having a six-pack, but it's so detrimental in the long term.
0: Yeah, it's it's really worrying in a way that how uneducated sometimes that uh, people just don't realize like i was talking about the incontinence stuff that it's not normal but when you've got adverts coming at you from all angles like trying to make it normal it just isn't you know we've got to take control of your own body again
1: yeah so listeners if you've found any of this information useful or you have any more questions that we you think we could shed some more light on maybe in another episode then let us know because. It is a little bit more complicated than, I think, what most people think of, isn't it? So yeah. if we can help you out any more, let us know.
0: Indeed, indeed. So, um, Daniel, what do we want our listeners to do?
1: Pass the pod. Yeah. Pass the pod at staying for <laughs> Life.
0: <laughs> yes, and where can they find you?
1: On Facebook is the best place at Daniel Purvis, Health and Fitness and the podcast. It's on iTunes, Spotify, Alexa, just on the multi-web universe oh
0: it's also on my website now i've got a new resources section on my website so if you go to www.organicpilates.co.uk and click on resources you'll also find a link to our podcast on there and you can play it there as well
1: hey there we go we are unavoidable (laughs) (laughs) can people find you
0: on my website in my studio in durham and uh yeah everywhere youtube instagram Facebook. I'm omnipresent. Can't get rid of me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Can not get rid of her?
0: (laughs) So, listeners, thank you for listening. And as Dan said, if there's anything that we've said that touched a nerve, the pedenda nerve, perhaps, then then, uh, let us know and we will see you the next time.
1: Thanks, everyone. See ya.
0: Bye.